Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. I appreciate the good singing this morning. If you have your Bible, you'll find your place this morning, Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3, and as you find your place, and before we dive into the Word of the Lord this morning, I will just... uh, say that the key to what Glenn said is that Bath and Body Works sells a men's line. Um, so he, that's, the, that's my defense, I guess. Genesis chapter number three, verse number one. I'll read the entire chapter. And I'll ask you, if you will, to stand with me in honor and reverence to the word of the Lord as we read. If you don't have a copy of the Bible in, with you, there it will be up on the screen. Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yeah, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And Adam, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow thou shalt in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever." Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence it was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way 
of the tree of life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your kindness. God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in your name. God, I am thankful for your love this morning. God, that is our hope today as we gather as broken, hurting, and sinful people. God, that your love is greater than all those things. And uh, Father, we thank you for the mercy that you show us day by day. Father, I pray that you'd help us during this time of, of preaching and studying, that God, you would open up our heart to the truth, God. Help us to receive your word with humility, and Lord, help me to preach it in truth and with integrity and with accuracy today. Lord, help me to say what is truly what you have already told us in your word. And uh, God, I pray that you would help your word and, and allow it this morning to go forth in power to do with it what I can never do in myself. Father, if there's somebody here today that's lost, I pray for their salvation. God, that they would realize their sinful condition, but realize that they have hope in Christ if they will trust him and the sacrifice he made at Calvary. Father, we love you today. Thank you for first loving us. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Last Sunday, Pastor James preached for me with me and the team being gone to Pennsylvania. The Sunday prior to that, kind of as a result of our marriage retreat, I preached out of Genesis 2, which is where God established marriage in the home. And, and we looked through that passage of Scripture right, right up until where we picked up in chapter number 3. And in that, we concluded where, uh, in verse number 24 of chapter number 2, that Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And it says that they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. We see chapter number 2 ending in a beautiful picture of marriage. A man and a woman coming together, and there's harmony, there's beauty there, there's, a, there's God's design there, and there's just a perfection that's happening in chapter number 2. But many of us, all of us rather, I should say to be accurate, all of us have experienced a much different situation in life. In marriage, marriage is not what we see defined, explained here in these verses. A lot of times marriage is a struggle. Marriage is, is tough and, and not for me because I'm married to the best wife there is. Amen. So for most people, marriage is tough and marriage is a struggle. It's, what you have experienced in your life is not what we read in chapter number 2. But even beyond that, life in general is a struggle. We all battle with things. Life is tough. We see that with the depression and anxiety that people deal with, and I don't diminish those things. I say that to say life is difficult. Life is not what you see in Genesis chapter number 2. And my question this morning as we dive into chapter number 3 is what happened? Why is marriage so hard? And why can marriage be so tough? And even beyond that, why is life in general so tough? Why do you have aches and pains? Why do we experience suffering? Why do we have prayer lists that are so lengthy of people that are having physical adversity and family adversity? Why is life as hard and as difficult as it is? Well, you'll find the answer to that question in Genesis chapter number 3. And I love the timing of this and that you'll also see the seed, if you will, of Christmas here in Genesis chapter number 3. So yes, Genesis chapter 3 is heavy. And Genesis chapter number 3 is, there's, there's a lot of disheartening things in Genesis chapter number 3. But the hope and the graciousness and the kindness of our God also shines through in Genesis chapter number 3. So there's hope that we find in man's, what could be defined as his darkest darkest day. I want you to know this morning as we get into this passage of scriptures that sin is an ugly and a costly thing. But in the midst of that, out of that comes the hope that God brings through the love that he has for us. So I want you to think about, first of all, I want you to recognize sin as rebellion towards God. 
Now you have to consider these verses, Genesis chapter number 3, in light of Genesis chapter number 2, verses 15 through 17, where it says, And the Lord God took the man, so he took Adam, he put him into the garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So he says, Every tree that you see here in the garden you can partake of, it's yours. Enjoy the fruits of those trees. But he says in verse number 17, Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so one particular tree, God says, Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So Adam, as he is put in the garden before Eve has been created, is given the liberty to eat of every tree in the garden. It's his to enjoy. But God says, this one tree you cannot partake of. If you eat of it and partake of it, you will surely die. That's God's command. And then we come to what happens in Genesis chapter number 3. And I want us to look at these opening 13 verses in two ways. I want us to look at what man does, and I want us then to think about the other element that is in place here in these verses of Scripture. I think it's interesting if you think about all the hardship we experience in life, all the difficulty in marriage, all the difficulty in life, all that goes back to a lady eating a piece of fruit. And the rightful question, I think, to that would be is why is it such a big deal? Why does, I mean, God said they could eat of every other tree. Why, is it, why did it cause such a drastic problem for this lady named Eve to take a piece of fruit and to eat it, and it caused the curse in this world that we know that it's the, where the root of sin that is transferred throughout generations comes from. Why was it such a big deal? The big deal, to summarize it, is found in question, or verse number 11, where when God comes and talks to Adam and Eve, he says, he asks this question. He says, who told thee that thou wast naked? So then he says this, hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The God that created the universe, the God that is our creator, who is over all, who is in ultimate and all authority, has commanded them not to eat of this one tree. But Eve decides, I'm going to go and I will take of this tree anyway. Now, it might be easy, again, then the way I introduced it at first, to think, what is the big deal? The big deal is that it wasn't that it was who had told her not to eat of that tree. Now, Eve made from what we gather here in the past of Scripture, didn't stick her finger in the face of God and literally say, I'll eat this fruit if I want to. But in taking of the fruit, it was the same heart. It was the same mentality of rebellion towards God. God said, do not do this. And Eve, being the creature, not the creator, took of that fruit anyway, and that's why it's a, it's a big deal. Her actions demonstrated this attitude in her heart that will stick its finger in the face of God and say, I'll do what I want to. And that is why sin is such an ugly thing. When you look at it in that light, it's not just a lady taking a piece of fruit. It's a lady here in this particular instance who rebels against the very authority and person of God who said, do not eat of this particular tree. And, of course, she took it and ate and gave of her husband. So disobeying God, the commandments of God, is a Tremendous deal. It's disregarding who God is. It's seeking to take God off of His throne. It's seeking to be our own God. It's not honoring, honoring God and reverencing God for who He is. It's, it's ugly. A lot of times we kind of brush sin off, and sometimes we say lightheartedly, and I understand where people say in that, and if you say this phrase, I'm not belittling you, but we say, well, the devil made me do it, and we kind of brush sin off. But sin is a very, very big deal. Sin is not... 
A lot of times it results in maybe your parents being upset or people in authority in your life being upset. But ultimately more than that, seeing as you have trespassed against God, you have done something God said do not do. And that's not something to brush off. That's not a light matter. It's it's serious. I like what one person said. They said, this is how Adam and Eve broke their relationship with God. They became convinced that their way was better than God's and acted on that belief. Eve in this moment thought, God said I could not eat of this fruit, but I... this fruit looks good and this fruit has opportunities for me and I'm going to eat it anyway. And that's why it is such a big deal. And while all the, the suffering, all the pain that we know in this life, the reason we need a Redeemer hinges from this moment. And it's much more significant than a lady taking a piece of fruit and eating it from a tree. But then we see the other outcome, the other factor that's at play here, the serpent, who undoubtedly has been inhabited by Satan, who in verse number one comes to to Eve, it says there that it's more subtle than any beast of the field, and he, this serpent comes and asks this question, kind of getting a conversation started with Eve, and he says, has God said that ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And Eve explains, she says, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but she says this tree, and so she knew what she was doing. She said, this tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now Eve does add, lest ye touch it. God didn't say lest ye touch it, and people explain that different ways, but regardless of that, she knew that she was not supposed to partake of this fruit. But here's this serpent, and he's come up, and he's got her attention on this piece of fruit. He's got her attention on what is sitting in front of her, and he's asking her these questions. And then in verse number 4, he makes his attack. And it seems subtle, but it's a very, very intense attack, if you will. He looks at the woman and he says unto her, you will not surely die. Completely against and contrary to what God has said. God said, ye shall surely die. Now here's Satan saying, you're not going to die. He goes on to say, this is why. This is why God told you not to eat of that fruit. Because God knows that when you do, your eyes will be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. So here's this tempter who is now trying to paint this fruit in a whole different picture. And he's planting a seed of rebellion in her heart and he's making her think, he's making her question the goodness of God. He's making her question the knowledge of God. He's making her question all these things and making her think, maybe God don't have my best interest at mind. And maybe what God said is not best for me. And that is what He does still for you in our life, is He will make us begin to question the goodness of God, the leadership of God, and make us begin to think, maybe I know better than God does, and what He wants for my life is not what's best for my life. That I should be in charge, and I should be in control, and that I should be in authority. And then notice the change in verse number 6. Now the woman sees this tree was good for food, and then it was pleasant to the eyes, and tree to be desired to make one wise. And then she takes the fruit, and she eats, and then she hands it to her husband. So all of a sudden, Eve, Eve don't see the multitude of trees that's around her anymore. Eve had free liberty to go to all those trees. Because of this tempter, now she sees this one tree, and now instead of saying, this is the tree God said we can't eat from, now she's saying, Man, that, that fruit does look good. And you know, it, it, it probably will do something for me that these other trees can't do. 
And man, it seems like it'll provide good nutrition for my body. Now all of a sudden, because of Satan's temptations, this tree don't look so off limits as it one time did. And that's how Satan operates and works in our life. And that's why we have to be very wise and understand that Satan is an enemy and Satan is a deceiver. And he will make a lot of things look good that are not good. Satan will make a lot of things that are sin look good and look enticing. That's where the temptation comes from. But what we have to remember is God knows best for our life, and He's the only one we can trust. And His leadership is always for what's best. But Satan is good at what he does. So you and I have to be very knowledgeable and wise to the Word of God and what it says so that when he comes in with his attacks and his deception and tries to paint something as good, we can identify it through the Word of God and say, no, God has said that is not good, or God has said this is good, and I need to be doing this, where the world might say, stay away from that. So you're going to get all these different pictures, and with God you'll find truth, and with God you'll find the direction and the way in which you should live your life. You can always trust God. But you have to be on alert to things that Satan can, t- can paint as good and desirable where God has said those things are not good. So my advice or my encouragement to you this morning through the word of the Lord is don't buy into Satan's lies. He has made Eve think that she's better off by disregarding what God says. My encouragement to you is to yield to God's authority in your life. Recognize yourself as the creature and God as the creator. Humble yourself under His authority. Recognize that you do not know better than Him. And you will not find any better place to be than under God's good care. Yes, God said they could not eat of this one tree. And notice that Satan has got her focused on this one tree she can't eat of when she has the whole garden that God has given her the freedom to go partake of. But Satan has got her focused on this one tree she cannot partake of. And it was for their good. Because you see, we, we are still experiencing today the, the bad decisions of eating of this fruit. God knows best. Rest in His care. Submit yourself to His authority. Live your life in submission to Him. We always have to live on guard against His attacks. We cannot listen to the tempter who tries to get us to go against God. Notice there's some immediate consequences that take place. Now, the sin has brought shame. Sin and sin will do that. Sin brings shame. And God calls out to Adam and asks where he is. And of course, God knows all things. I've heard it said before, and I have to agree that he was at, God asked this question more so for Adam's sake, because now as Adam's hiding, Adam has to look around when God asks this question and think, how did I get here? I was in fellowship with God. I was in harmony with God. Me and my wife were in harmony. But now I'm over here hiding from my Creator from my God. And then something else that often happens as a result of sin is, he, is Adam, God asked if he had taken of the fruit, and the man in verse number 12 says it was the woman. And he's almost, he, he refuses to take the blame for, of himself and say, yes, God, I messed up, and yes, God, I have, I have fallen, and God, I have faltered. But he says, God, it's this woman that you gave me. So he's blaming God and the woman, but he refuses to say, I did anything wrong, and he refuses to say, I've made any error. But he took of the fruit, and even though that Satan here is tempting, and Satan here is working and making this fruit look alluring, it does not excuse us of the consequences when we give in to the temptation. Because you'll find, as we, we read in the past of Scripture, they all face consequences. So while it is very true that there's a tempter, our 
that does not excuse us from our actions. No one was able to put their guilt off on another. God didn't say, you're right, Adam. Now, then he didn't go to Eve, and Eve say, and put all the focus and blame on her. That's not how it operated. But they all, and then Eve, he goes to Eve, and Eve says, what well, was a serpent? He tricked me. But none of them come with a brokenness. None of them come with a sorrow and remorse for the trespass that they had just performed against God. And can I tell you today that it's explained in Romans that this, this rebellious nature transferred through the seed of Adam and that has carried over into our generation. So you and I are born into this, this state. You and I are guilty. And our response can be one of two things. It can be similar to Adam and Eve and say, well, this made me do it and that made me do it and, and try to hide all these things we can come to God broken, seeking mercy. And the great thing that we learn about God and through Christ Jesus is that He will not turn you away when you come to Him for mercy. When you come to Him broken, when you come to Him acknowledging of the fact that you have sinned and you have broken His commandments and you have broken His law and you come to God seeking mercy, He will show you mercy. He will show you forgiveness. But we cannot respond to our sin the way Adam and Eve did. Well, it was Eve. It was, I didn't do anything. It was Eve's fault. And Eve said, well, it, was the, it was the serpent's fault. I didn't do anything. When we try to claim some sense of self-righteousness, we have none, and we stand guilty before God. But we know that God will forgive us when we recognize the error of our ways. And then you see here in verses 14 through 24 that sin always brings devastating consequences. Remember that. Always. It may not be immediate, but it always will bring painful, hurtful consequences. Rebelling against God is never a good idea. The world paints a lot of sin and makes it look so alluring and so enticing. But you remember, remember the story in Adam and Eve, and always remember that sin is not worth it. Sin will always, as you've heard it said, and I guess an old saying, but it's true, sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Now the serpent will be confined to its belly, and a lot of commentators say before this, the serpent was probably a beautiful creature because if not, Eve would have probably ran from the get-go, but she didn't. And because of this curse, it seems like maybe the this, this serpent walked before this time. And now this serpent is a cursed creature. For the woman, she would have pain in childbirth and would have confrontation with her husband. As it says at the end of verse number 16, Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. The uh, ESV translates this verse to say, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So there in that we see why the discord in the home, why marriage is always so, such a challenge, why marriage, we need the grace of God so abundantly in our marriages because of the fallout of what happened in Genesis chapter number 3. Man is going to have to toil cursed ground that's going to bring forth thorns and thistles. He's going to have to labor through the sweat of his brow. Again, we see all the adversity, all the trial, all the hardship that we experience in our life. But then, just quickly moving through the text, and there's a lot here, but being recognition of the time, verses 23 through 24, we see the ultimate painful consequence is separation from God. The Bible says that God literally drove out the man in verse number 24. Where they were in harmony, they were fellowshiping with God, they were one with God. Sin separates us from God. That's ultimately when 
When God said that you will surely die, He was speaking of the separation from Him. And ultimately, physically, they would die, yes. But now they're separated from God. They're no longer in a good, harmonious relationship with God. They're separated. And because we're of the seed of Adam, then we are born into this world separated from God. You see, if you think God's response to this is harsh, you say, that seems like a lot for Eve eating a piece of fruit. Well, then that explains this morning that we don't understand the ugliness of sin, we don't understand the holiness of God, that when He says don't do something, and we do it, that is a horrendous thing. I also encourage you, when you look at all the evil in the world, remember that that's here as a result of our decision. That's here as a result of us going against what God said. But then I'll leave you while those notes are despairing. And yes, we're all sinners. We all have the seed of Adam in us. We all have that rebellious nature to where we would have ate of the fruit too. But I'll, of course, want to end you with a good note, with hope, because that's what God does for us. You see, not only do we have to recognize sin as something that brings judgment and sin as rebellion towards God, but we can recognize sin as something that has been overcome by God. Verse number 15, I said in these verses, you see the seed of Christmas. It says, and I will put enmity. This is God speaking to the serpent who would be Satan. He says, I will put enmity or hostility between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And here's your Christmas he says, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The seed of the woman will be Christ. We celebrate Christ coming to the earth and dying and coming in a fleshly form. Well, that's, verse number 15 is the first glimpse of that. That Christ would come, that we have a hope. And then in verse 21, the Bible says that God made coats of skins to clothe them. And that's what God did for us in Christ. Adam and Eve could not cover themselves, not sufficiently. They tried. But they stood before God guilty, but God made them a covering. Well, you and I today, outside of Christ, stand before God as guilty. But thank God in Christ Jesus, He's made us a covering. And we can either stand before God in our guilt, we can stand before God having trespassed against Him, or we can stand before God in the righteousness of Christ. The same way that Adam and Eve are clothed here with these coats of skins, you and I can be clothed or covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So that all your sin and all your shame is covered. It's the hope that we have. And God is, just like God provided these coats of skins, God has provided the hope that you and I have. It's Christ Jesus. So how do I live in this hope? How do I, how do I be covered with the righteousness of Christ? Do I have to be a part of a Baptist church? Or do I have to do this? Or do I have to, to give X amount of money to, to, to the church? Every... Here's how you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Here's how you can overcome sin. It's through Christ. Put your faith in Him. Trust Him. Trust that He came, He died for you, that on Calvary, the punishment that was due to you because of your sin that Christ bore for you, and then He will give you His righteousness if you'll trust in Him. That's how you and I can overcome sin. It's not by our good effort, not by our good works, but by trusting Him. So as we stand this morning, as Miss Tamara comes around, and Andy will come around and lead us in a song of invitation, if you need to respond to the Word of the Lord this morning, We have a covering through Christ. And today you can stand before God in all of your guilt and all of your shame. Or you can stand before God clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ by putting your faith in Him. And my encouragement to you today is to do the latter. Trust Christ. Say, preacher, I've been 
I've not grown up in church, and I, I don't, uh, this is not really my scene. I've never really been in church. Can I tell you, it does not matter today. Christ will not turn you away. If you'll come to him, he'll show you mercy. Whatever your background is, whatever your story might be, whatever things you might have been wrapped up in, his forgiveness is greater than all those things. And he's able to wash you clean. He's our hope today. If you are saved, if you know Christ, rejoice in your hope. Rejoice in your hope. And as you come and he leads us in a song, if you need to respond, you do so. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.